Come on. Come on, put your hands together. Marching in the light of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Marching in the light of God. We are marching. Ooh, we are marching in the light of God. Y'all get it? We are marching. Ooh, we are marching in the light of God. Y'all get it? It's easy. We are marching. Ooh, we are marching in the light of God. We are marching. We are marching in the light. We are marching. We are marching in the light. Say it one more time. We are marching. We are marching. We are marching. We are marching in the light. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 That sound like the motherland. Amen. Yeah. And Pastor, if you don't right, mind, we had some extra help yeah. from Alistair Morgan here Alistair. on the Djembe drum. Yeah. And, and your son and, and Mr. Porter, the amen. teenagers, helped us out. All right. God bless you. Y'all. Yeah. Y'all all right. Y'all got rhythm. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Everybody black ain't got rhythm. Don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. It's a stereotype. It's a stereotype. <laughs> Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. What a blessing that was. Amen. Amen. God bless you, children. I want to invite your attention to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter number six. Daniel chapter 6, read earlier in your hearing, but I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, it reads as follows. Daniel always prayed to God three times every day. Three times every day he bowed down on his knees to pray and praise God. Even though Daniel heard about the new law, he still went to his house to pray. He went up to the upper room of his house and opened the windows that faced toward Jerusalem. Then Dan Daniel bowed down on his knees and prayed just as he always had done. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I, I want to begin a series and sermons and talk to you from this thought, the power of routine, the power of routine, routine, the power of routine, the power of just doing stuff over and over again, making it ha routine, the power of routine. We have begun our 28-day journey of prayer and fasting, and I pray that over the course of this experience, your faith in God will be deepened. I pray that your relationships with each other will be strengthened. I pray that you will become more in tune, in touch, and aligned with the Holy Spirit, what God's will is for your lives. I want you to know that we're very intentional, have been very intentional about planning 28 days during the month of February for the last few years because we recognize that many people begin the year, usually in January, uh, making a lot of pledges and promises 
about how they're going to live their lives new, afresh, with new ways and new habits. And usually after the first 30, 31 days or so, you could use a good boost. Amen, somebody. If you're like most of us, you, you, you start out with good intentions, but, but, but after a month or so, there, 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 there ought to be a good push that helps you to get over the hump. Uh, we, we intentionally plan 28 days for February to come alongside of you and assist you and help you in the time when you might uh, feel like going back or, or not following through on the commitments that you have made. And so 28 days of February is intentionally designed. We also collectively during this time, we give ourselves to prayer and personally commit ourselves to fasting or to acts of self-denial. And during that time, it is my hope that you will use these 28 days not only to deepen your faith and to strengthen your relationships, but I pray that you use these 28 days also to establish some new good habits. I pray that you use these 28 days to establish some new habits, some new good habits. I also pray that you use these 28 days perhaps to break some old bad habits. Do I have a witness here? Because let's be honest, all of us have some habits that get in the way of our, us being our best selves. Can I get a witness over here? All of us, I say all of us, all of us, even you who didn't raise your hands, you got some habits that get in the way of you being your best self. There's some things you do, some things you don't do, and you do it habitually, and those things prevent you from being the best version of who you could be. Wish I had a witness in here. And if we could ever really get a handle on our habits, if we could ever really be in control of our routines, if we could ever break the yokes that hurt us and establish some new disciplines that will develop us, new routines that will empower us, new habits that will help us, life would be a much better journey. And so let me pause, let me pause, let me pause, Bill, for just a moment of transparency, if you will. Uh, because, because, because uh, at the beginning of the year in January, uh, in my house, uh, our family sat down uh, at, at the breakfast table one day. Um, uh, uh, my wife called a meeting. Amen. Don't act like y'all don't know. She, she called a meeting, and, 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 and she said the meeting is about us setting goals, and and the kids got to running. Well, my job is I'm like the soccer goalie. I'm, I'm supposed to catch them and kick them back in. So, so, so I, I called them, round them back up, and we got to the table, and, and we sat down, and, and, and everybody had a sheet of paper to say and write out what their goals were for 2019. Everybody wrote their goals. I wrote my goals. She wrote her goals. Jonathan wrote his goals. Anna wrote her goals. And, and Powell, I, we, we put our goals on the refrigerator. They're there. Bill, I looked at my goals the other day. <laughs> Troy, I need some help. I, I, I looked at my goals, and, 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 and I, I looked at what I was doing, and, and they're good goals. They're good goals. They're good goals. Um, uh, but, but to be frank, there's some things that I've started I'm doing okay with. Some things I've started I'm doing okay with. Yeah. There's some things I've started 
that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of waffling on. I could, do, I could be a little bit more consistent. There, there's some things I'm wondering, why in the world did I write that? I think I was just trying to fill up paper. I don't know. I, I, I don't know where that came from. Um, but, but, but what I realize is that, is, that, is that it's not really a problem setting the goals. It's, it's, it's putting something in place to get to the goals. Are you hearing me? Yeah, it, it's putting something in place to get to the goals. James Clear, who is the author of a book entitled Atomic Habits, he says this about goal setting. He says, he says uh, you don't rise to your goals, but you fall to your systems. See, you, don't, you don't rise to your goals, rather you fall. In other words, you could have the best goal in mind. But if you don't have a system in place to get to that goal, ultimately, you will fall to whatever your system is. And, and can I just put some in just, 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 just for good measure? Uh, all systems work. Yeah, all systems work. They, they, may not, they may not do what you want them to do, but I promise you, they're doing what they were designed to do. They, they work. They, they can either work for you or they can work against you. But I promise you, they're working. The question is, have you designed the right system to meet your goal? Y'all not talking to me in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have the right? To, because you can have the right visions. You can cast uh, your vision. You can create your vision board. You can put the target in your sights. But if you do not have the system in place that leads you to your goal, then all you have is a cute sheet of paper. The system is oftentimes the thing that we neglect. The system is the part that we don't take time to map out. The system is the thing that we don't think through and plan for or work out. And neglecting the system is oftentimes what keeps us from getting to our goal. But if you take time to honestly deal with your system, and this is where it can hurt because what that means is you've got to look at what you do and make some changes there. The system means I've got to take an assessment of my environment and be honest about what's sabotaging me. The system is I've got to be honest about who's good in my life and who keeps messing me up. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. The, the system is I, I've got to honestly assess, watch this, what are the things that are triggering me to keep doing these bad habits? Y'all ain't talking to me in here. See, see, and when you, and this is why we don't deal with the systems. We'd rather just set goals because goals are pretty. Systems, that's where the messiness comes in. That's where I've got to make some tough decisions and do things differently. I've got to interrupt what's going on. Hear me, bad habits don't just happen and good habits don't just happen either. They are byproducts of systems. According to Dr. Wendy Wood, Wendy Wood, who is the James B. Duke Professor of Psychology and Neuroscience at Duke University, Dr. Wood says that almost half of human behavior is done out of habit. Almost half of human behavior is done out of habit. In other words, 50% of what you do on any given day, you are not actively thinking about doing it. It's just a habit. 
50% of what you do on any given day, you're just on autopilot. It's just what you do. It's, it's just part of the environment. The environment kicks in. It cues you to do this, and you do it because it's what you do. It's the habit. It's the routine, and you don't even think about it. It's what you do, which suggests that if I want a new habit, then writing the goal is just part of it. If I want a new habit, creating a vision board is just part of it. If I want a new habit, then I've got to honestly deal with my system and either create a new system or change the existing one so that it reaches the goal that I am. Are y'all following me? So why am, I, why am I talking about habits and systems? Because during these 28 days of prayer and fasting, you will have the opportunity to create, to start some new habits. But after February is over, the question is, what do you do with them? Because right now you're doing it because everybody's doing it. Right now you're doing it because pastor's preaching on it. Right now you're doing it because we've called you to it. But after the 28 days of February are gone, do you have a system in place to maintain the habit? Are you hearing me? Otherwise, you go back to what you were doing before. Help me preach this. I'm talking better than you talking back to me. I'm glad. I'm glad that you've got a goal. My question is, have you done the work of creating a system? I'm glad you wrote a vision. Do you have a system? I'm glad you put up a standard for what you want. Have you created a system? Because you don't rise to your goal, you fall to your system. And a good system will lead you to your intended Go. We, we talked last week. <clears throat> we talked last week about the Acts 2 church, church that prayed and followed the apostles' doctrine, a church that kept the Lord's Supper, a church that fellowshiped and shared resources with each other, a church that broke bread from house to house. All of those were habits. They were routines. They were things that they did consistently that contributed to their spiritual growth and their, the, the power that they, they experienced. But there are two words in that text, chapter 2, verse 47, that stand out. It says, and they continued steadfastly. Continued steadfastly. They kept on doing what they started. They didn't stop. They maintained the routine. And because they stuck to the routine, God's power stayed with them. They fellowshiped. They kept the apostles' doctrine. They kept the Lord's Supper. They shared their resources with each other. And because of the routine that they maintain, God blessed the church. It grew, and they experienced signs and wonders. So this morning, this morning, I want to take the time and talk to you about the spiritual discipline of prayer and how to create it as a routine in your life. Because in this text, we hear about Daniel who prayed three times a day every day without breaks three times a day every day seven days a week he prayed now I, I don't believe I don't, I'm looking at the crowd let me see 
Okay. Yeah. I don't think I have to prove the case that Christians ought to pray to this group. I don't. I, I, y'all look like y'all know that Christians ought to pray. Let me see. Yeah, yeah, they look like it too. Uh, y'all look like Christians ought to pray. Do it. I don't need to prove that, right? So, so if we can start with a baseline that as believers, as followers of Christ, that we ought to pray. The question is, how do we establish prayer as a routine? As something that, watch this, that becomes a part of my system that I instinctively, that I intuitively, that I almost automatically do. How do I get to the place where Daniel was, where it says that he prayed three times a day, every day, without fail? And even, watch this, the text says, even when a law had been written for everybody not to pray, he kept on praying. How do I get that kind of routine, that kind of habit? Just by way of background, you all remember who Daniel was. Daniel Daniel was the one who was thrown into the lion's den. That's the same Daniel. In fact, it's it's just after this passage where Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. uh, Preceding this is really the story of how he got there. Y'all, y'all. By way of background, let me just catch you up. Daniel, Daniel, uh, Daniel got into Babylon uh, because uh, Babylon had invaded Judah. And, and, and they had defeated Jerusalem, destroyed Jerusalem, brought the people out of Jerusalem into Babylon. Daniel had four friends, for they, were, they were young boys at this time, uh, had four of his friends who also were a part of that exile. Those four friends, you remember them, their names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because when they were brought into exile out of their homeland, they were stripped of their culture, they were stripped of their language, they were stripped of their music, they were stripped of their worship, and they were stripped of their names. They gave them Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel was among that group of exiles. Well, here they are, these four boys, and, and, and they automatically begin to stand out, not like everybody else. They, they rise to the top as leaders, and one of the things that caused them to stand out was the fact that they refused to eat from the king's table. Yeah, it's in the text, y'all. The king's table, he, they, they said, listen, we're going to feed you uh, the king's meat. And one of the things that, that these boys did, they said, no, you know what? We, we would rather eat the diet from our homeland. Don't give us meat. Just give us vegetables. Just give us vegetables. Just give us, and they said, I tell you this, after a certain amount of time, come back and look at us. And if we look faint and frail, then we'll eat the king's meat. But if we look good, then let us keep the diet that we're used to. They tell your neighbor, eat your vegetables. They, they kept eating their vegetables. They ate cabbage. They ate greens. They ate corn. They ate carrots. They, they ate beets. They ate their vegetables. The diet, the Daniel fast that you'll see in the 28 guides, the 28 days of prayer and fasting. Part of that fast, that's not just a cute name that we came up with. That's the kind of diet that Daniel ate in this text, okay? He ate these things, and when they came and looked at him and examined the countenance of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, you know what? They look better than the boys who are eating the meat from the king's table. Why? Because they stood out. They said, no, we're going to do it God's way. Watch this. Not only did they stand out, but they stood up. 
They stood up. Remember, King Nebuchadnezzar made a golden image and said, at the sound of the music, I want everybody to bow and worship this golden image. But these three boys said, no, you know what? The only God we know is God Jehovah, and we're not bowing to anybody or anything. We will not bow. And because they did not bow, you remember they got thrown into a fiery furnace, but God kept them. Three boys went in. Another man stayed in with them, said, we, we sent three boys in, but I see another man, and he looks like, I wish I had a witness in this house. He looks like the son of God. Don't you know God will get in some stuff with you and not leave you by yourself? If you stand up with him, God will stand up with you. If you stand up for him, he will stay by your side. If you stand up for him, he will hold your hand. God brought him out. God brought, and when he brought him out, the king looked at him and said, you know what? These boys are not followers. They are leaders. And because they are leaders, we are going to promote them and make them leaders in Babylon. Now watch this. Here are foreigners from Jerusalem who have been promoted to positions of leadership in a foreign country. Don't you know that didn't set too well with the natives? The natives looked at these foreigners coming in and saying, now who in the world do they think they are coming into our land, giving us orders, telling us what to do? No, we ain't going to have that. And what did they do? They started to set a trap. They said, you know what? Somebody's got to find some dirt on Daniel. We got to bring him down. We ain't going to have this. Somebody, let's find some dirt on Daniel. You, you go look in his garbage and see if you can find anything. You, you put a bugging device on him to follow him, see where he goes at night. You, 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 you check his email and see what his emails are saying. You, you do this. And, and everybody started looking for dirt on Daniel, but they couldn't find any, I wish I had a witness in here. They, they were trying to see, was he cheating on anybody? He wasn't cheating with anybody. Was, was he cheating on his taxes? He wasn't cheating on his taxes. Was, was he doing anything? Was he drinking with you? No, he wasn't doing anything. Daniel was clean. And the only thing that they could have against Daniel was the fact that he prayed. They said, you know what? If we can't get him for doing wrong, let's figure out how to get him for doing right. I need to tell somebody, some of the things that people are doing against you ain't because you did it wrong, it's because you did it right, because you did it the right way, because you had some integrity, somebody don't like you, because you have some character, somebody don't like you, because you decided to... So, they said, let's get Darius. King Darius to make a law. We'll make a law that nobody should pray to any God. And if anybody breaks that law, it's the king's law. And the king is going to throw him in the lion's den. And because Daniel was a prayer warrior, it was his routine. It's what he did. It's how he did life. The law didn't keep Daniel from his lifestyle. He prayed anyhow. I, I, I need to ask the question. If, if anybody charged you with praying too much, 
would there be enough evidence to convict you? Here, here they said, this man prays, and we're going to use his good doing against him. And so Daniel prays three times a day. They get it to the king, and in fact, he throws him into the lion's den. Now, you got to read the rest of your story for yourself. I'm not going to spoil it for you. you got to read it for yourself to know what happened. But I want to get to how Daniel prayed. And this supporting system of prayer. What was it? Allowed Daniel like clockwork to pray. Three things, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to hold you long. Three things. Number one, Daniel prayed according to a preset schedule. That's number one. Daniel prayed according to a preset Schedule. The text says Daniel prayed to God three times a day, every day. Three times a day, every day. Now, those of you who know Jewish culture know Jews already pray, pray three times a day today. And you might be thinking, well, Daniel was just doing what was already a part of Jewish culture. Not so, because at that time, it had not been established for Jews to pray three times a day. In fact, it was after they were brought back to Jerusalem after the exile that Ezra and 120 prophets and scribes wrote the prayers that are now prayed three times a day. So Daniel was doing this prior to the three times a day prayer system that's in place now. What caused Daniel to establish three times a day as his system? Watch it. He tied it to something else that was already in place. What was in place was what's called temple sacrifice. And because of temple sacrifice occurring three times a day, what Daniel says is, I'm not in my homeland. I can't do temple sacrifice because there's no temple here. But what I can do is I'll pray to my God. Are you hearing me? What, what does he do? He connects, watch this, he connects prayer to something that already exists in his culture. He connects prayer to something that he already does or was already doing as a habit. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying if you're going to be more consistent in your prayer life, tag it to something that already happens. Ah, uh, you're not hearing me. He synchronized his prayers to a preset schedule. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying put a system in place where, okay, all right, watch this. It's time to go to work. You get in your car. Normally what happens is you raise the garage, you turn on the radio, you back up, let the garage down, you get in the traffic, you go to work. You get to work, hopefully, okay, everything's good. Here, here, here's what you do. If you want to increase prayer life, then what you're doing is, all right, it's time for me to go to work. Because it's time for me to go to work, I'm going to tag prayer now on the time that I go to work. So that watch this. When it's time to go to work, it's also time to pray. Because it's time to go to work, it's time to pray. Now, I'm doing the thing that I want to do because I've tagged it to something that I'm already doing. Are you hearing me? Yeah, and so now I'm in the garage and normally I would just back out let the garage down but wait a minute 
I'm going to work, so it's time to pray. That means I need to pray. I need to pray, Lord, let me have a good day today. Lord, I, I'm about to back out and get into this traffic, and, and I'm getting on the highway. I'm, I'm battling county line. I'm coming from South Jackson, whatever it is, and, and these school buses are out. I don't want to get a ticket. I don't want to get a wreck. Lord, let me have safe passage. I'm praying about my day. Lord, not only do I want to get there safely, but when I get to work, I want to have a good day. I want to get along with everybody. I don't want to cuss. I mean, cut nobody. I don't want to hurt nobody. I don't want to mess with nobody. I don't. Lord, help me me cut no but cut cut I said cut I said cut I don't want to cut nobody I'm praying and I've tagged it to a preset skit something I've got to do I'm tagging prayer to it guess what guess what I've come back home it's time to cook I'm tagging prayer to cooking time. Why? Because now what I can do is while I pray, I, while I'm cooking, I can thank God for the provisions. I can thank God that there's something in my refrigerator to cook. I can thank God that there's something in my freezer to pull out. I can thank God that there's something in my pantry to cook. I can thank God that I can put something in the microwave. I'm thanking God that there's something that I'm going to put on this table and that I've got a family that's going to come around it. I'm thanking God for health. I'm thanking God for strength. Why? Because I've tagged prayer to something I'm already doing it's time to go to sleep I'm going to sleep anyway whether I've got to go to sleep guess what I'm a pray I'm a tag prayer because it's time to go to sleep it's time y'all ain't hearing me it's time to go to sleep. It's time to pray. God, thank you for bringing me through this day. Lord, I, I had a hard day, but Lord, you were faithful. My, my children were acting funny, but Lord, you didn't let me go off on them. God, I thank you that they're still alive and, and I'm not in jail. God, I thank you right now that I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm praying. I'm tagging prayer to my schedule. Are you with me? It's because it's time for this, it's also time for prayer. That's the first thing. That's the first thing. According to a preset schedule. Number two, number two, number two, number two. Daniel prayed also according to a particular posture. He prayed according to a particular posture posture the text says the text says watch this he bowed down on his knees to pray and praise God he did what he bowed on his what knees to pray and praise God now hear me hear me well listen look at me look at me look 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 at me there are any number of postures in the Bible to take for prayer in the Bible you will see people kneeling and praying in the Bible, you will see people laying on their bed and praying. In the Bible, you will see people laying prostrate with their faces to the ground and praying. In the Bible, you will see people standing and lifting their faces to heaven and praying. All of them are biblical postures for prayer. None of them is better than the other. The issue is make sure, watch this, that you take a posture. And the posture lends itself and your spirit to the act of prayer. I don't believe you're praying with me. Listen, the, the posture ought to do something inside of you that triggers and says, wait a minute, this is my posture of prayer. And when I do this, I know it's time 
to pray. Y'all not talking to me in here. Let, let me see if I can say. Some people, some people, some people come into the church and, 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 and there are a few of us who always lift our hands and, and, and we get on some of y'all's nerves because y'all say, well, there they go lifting their hand. They always lifting their hand. I can't stand sitting next to them because they always lifting their hand. They, they ain't, the choir ain't even singing they good. They lifting their hands. They, they ain't even, right? And, 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 you, and you're missing why we're lifting our hands. Because you lift your hands in response, but we lift our hands in anticipation. You lift your hands after you get to where you want to be. We lift our hands getting on the way to where we want to be because we take the posture saying Lord if I lift my hands it puts me in the place of reminding myself that God you are the source of my strength you are the strength of my life everything that I have comes from you I'm thankful and I'm grateful and now in this moment of gratefulness now all of a sudden my spirit is quickened and I can now enter into worship and even if the choir ain't done a thing if the preacher ain't said a thing if the deacons ain't prayed a prayer I'm already there because I started with a posture and sometimes your spirit has to catch up with your physical self in other words, until my spirit gets there, I'm going to just take the posture. I'm going to assume the posture of thankfulness. I'm going to assume the posture of gratefulness. And soon my spirit will become grateful when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me. My soul, my soul cries out. So you got to learn, you got to learn how to lift your hands. Even, even, even before you get your praise on. You, you got to lift your hands because you know where you're going, not because you're already there. Ah. Daniel assumed the posture of prayer. And when he assumed the posture of prayer, look at the text. It said, he prayed and he praised God. In other words, he started only to pray but his prayer evidently got so good that he ended up worshiping anybody ever been there all you intended to do was just tell the Lord thank you but when you thanked him for this it reminded you of that and when it reminded you of that you had to go back and remember this and then you see all that God has done for you throughout the year. All I meant to tell you was thank you for this. But Lord, you've been good all my life. He prayed. And then he praised. But it started with the right posture. So I'm saying, what are you saying? I'm saying whatever your posture is, assume that posture because it quick watch this it elicits the emotional sensitivity required for the right spiritual response the right physical posture elicits the correct emotional sensitivity that then forwards you to the right spiritual response 
it gets me ready for what God wants to say. Thirdly, and I'm through. Thirdly, and I'm through. Thirdly, I'm through. Daniel prayed according to a predetermined place. He prayed according to a predetermined place. The text says, even though Daniel heard about the new law, he still went to his house to pray. He went up to the upper room of his house and opened the windows that faced toward Jerusalem. Even though he heard about the new law, the law that Darius the king had signed and said nobody should pray, even though he heard about that law, he still prayed. And he went evidently to the place where he always prayed. His house and the upper room. Now, two things I want to say here. First of all, uh, uh, if you're going to pray, don't let all your prayers be public. You ought to have some private prayers. And if you don't have some private prayers, you ought to have some at your house. He prayed at his house. My house shall be a house of prayer. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You ought to establish something spiritual about your house. If it's your house, you ought to determine what happens in your house. If it's your house, you, you ought to determine the spiritual climate of your house. He, he prayed in his house. Watch it, watch it. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying, watch this, watch this, watch this. He designated a place in his house that was specific for prayer. Now, now most of us, most of us, most of us, uh, if you got a house, you, 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 got, you, got, you got some space in your house that is less used than other spaces. Most of us. It ain't got to be a big house. I don't, care how, how, I don't care what the size is. You got a room in your house that's less used than the other rooms. Do I have a witness here? You, you, you got a space that, 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 that is not frequented as much as the other spaces. If, if, if you got a traditional house with a living room and a dining room and, and a family room and, 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 a, and a man cave and a and a she shed and, 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 and all, you, amen, you, you, you just got space, talk to me, you got space everywhere, talk to me somebody, and, 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 and you, you go to those spaces, watch, you go to those spaces where you are most comfortable, right, right, and those other spaces get used very infrequently. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is for your house. But in, in a lot of houses, a lot of houses, you don't have to admit to it, but in a lot of houses, the front room is the room reserved for guests. And you remember, if you grew up the way I did, grandmama had plastic on the couch in the <laughs> Come on and talk to me. That's how unused it was. Pl plastic on the couch and... And don't mess up nothing. And in fact, don't even go in the front room. Everything else happens. Talk to me if you can. 
Yeah, yeah. There, there, there are those spe- and all I'm saying is Daniel looked at his house and evidently said, you know what? There's a space here that I want to reserve especially for prayer. And when I enter this space, I want to do nothing in it but pray. This is my prayer room. He, he, he set aside, watch this, he set aside one room in his house, upstairs, upper room, where he could open the window and look toward his homeland and pray. And watch this, that room was just for prayer. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying it does us good to, to specify and to signify some special places for where we will meet God, where we will talk to God, and we expect for God to talk to us. And listen, you say, well, River, ain't got that kind of house. That's all right. You got space. You don't have to have a big house to do that. You, you can decide, you know what, in this corner of my room, that's my prayer corner. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. I'll turn my face to the wall like Hezekiah, and in my prayer corner, I will pray to my God, and it'll be nothing but me and my God in my corner. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. You say, Reverend, I don't like corners. That's all right. Get out, get out in your yard, and, and this part of my yard, this little plot that I, I ain't got but, but three quarters of an acre, but on this plot, I'm going to stand, and I believe, and I'm going to sanctify it as holy ground. And when my feet touch this ground, I expect for God to meet me here because I've consecrated it as my praying spot. Say, Reverend, I ain't good with standing still. That's all right. Claim the street as your prayer street. When you go for a walk, this is the street I pray on. And, and when I turn this corner, it's me and God. I don't care who's on this street because this is the street where I meet God. I'm going for my walk and I see you, but I'm not talking to you because I'm talking to God. All I'm saying is, if you want to get serious about prayer, you've got to designate the time and the space and claim it as such. And watch this. When you designate that space, Make sure that that's the thing that you're doing. Don't, watch this, hear me, I'm through. Don't use your prayer room as a nap room. Because then you get confused about its purpose. And when you step in it, it doesn't carry the significance. Don't use your prayer room as your reading room. You're not hearing me. Don't use your prayer room as your hiding room where you get away from your children and, and hide from your spouse. Don't, don't, use your, don't use your prayer room to do other things in. Use it for prayer. And that way it maintains its significance and then it triggers in you what you ought to be doing because it has become a part of your system. You don't rise to your goals. You fall to your systems. You have the right system in place. The goal will take care of itself. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, how grateful and thankful we are 
that you, in fact, are a God of routine. God, you routinely take care of us. You routinely open doors. You routinely turn situations that we think to be too difficult, you turn them around. You routinely see about us and tend to our needs. God, right now, I, we pray that, that we, in fact, would take on your characteristic of routine and become more committed and devoted to the spiritual discipline of prayer. That we would apply it to our lives and, and not just want to do it or wish to do it or hope to do it, but that we would do the work of creating a system that will feed us and cue us and trigger us to doing what we know you want us to do. God, now, bless us and keep us. These 28 days of prayer and fasting strengthen us and quicken us to hear more of your word, hear more of your will, understand more of your ways. In the name of Jesus, we love you and we adore you. Do something wonderful. Lord, we're asking for signs and wonders. We're asking for a closer walk with you. Do it in Jesus' name. We ask it. For his sake we pray. Amen and amen. Now listen, listen. We're about to do something here that, that is a part of routine. We routinely do what's called opening the doors of the church. The deacons routinely come with chairs as they're coming now and sit them out before you. And we as ministers and pastors, preachers, we routinely extend our arms and, and say to you who want to come, we ask you to come and become a part of this church and give your lives to Christ. That's part of our routine. And perhaps part of your routine I don't know it to be the case, but perhaps part of your routine is when we get to this part of the service, mentally, you might routinely check out. Mentally, you may routinely decide this is the part of the service that's not for me and I've, I've gotten what I've come for and, and, and I'm just waiting for the benediction there. And that's part of your system. That's part of your routine. And I've come by this morning to interrupt your routine. I want to challenge you to change your system and to allow this moment to be a real moment where you ask God, God, what will you want of me? What do you desire of me? I've been routinely just seeing this, but God, I believe that there's something that you actually desire of me. So God, let me not just push my way through this moment in the routine of Sunday morning, but let me hear your word and hear your spirit and respond accordingly. If you're here this morning, though this looks like the same thing we always do, it doesn't have to be the same thing for you because you can decide, I'm doing something different this morning. I'm going to give my life to Christ. I'm going to give my hand to the preacher and I'm going to come and be a part of this fellowship. If you're here this morning, I want to invite you to come wherever you are, whoever you are, won't you come now? The doors of the church are open. 
won't you take these few steps of faith meet us down here this is your day this is your moment this is your hour come now the doors of the church are open there's another come on come on god bless you god bless you sweet of prayer hallelujah bless his name sweet yes lord of prayer come now come now you do something different this morning why don't you open your heart open your spirit to saying yes yes lord yes lord. both are coming to us by Christian experience and to say that you are coming by a Christian experience that says that you do believe in Christ that he died on the cross for all of us and that he rose again and it also means that you have been a member of a church before and have been baptized is that correct? Amen. Brother Lewis, brother, sister Bingham, we thank you all. We thank you for your courage, for coming down and allowing God to walk with you and allowing God to talk with you. But pastor, right before they go, they, they request prayer. We're going to ask Reverend Powell to do the prayer. I want each of you to take the hand of the person next to you because as they choose to come to God we need to walk with them through this process let us pray 
Most gracious Father, we come now thanking you for another day. For giving this time that we can come to you with our cares and our desires. Father, we have two who have come to join themselves with you again, O Lord. Father, we ask, O Lord, that you would just wrap your loving arms around them. Put them under the neath of your wings, O Lord. Protect them from all harm and danger. Put that hedge of protection around them, O Lord. Father, they need you. And we ask, O Lord, that you would tend to their situations now. All that they have need of, we ask, O Lord, that you would deliver that. Bless them now, Lord. Keep them in your loving care. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go with Sister Foster, and she will take you and take care of you. Amen. God bless you. Won't you stand? Amen. God bless you. Welcome, welcome. Amen. Now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with each of you. Now, henceforth, and forevermore, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen and amen. God bless you. Go in peace.